0: Okay, now for our next message, it'll be brought to us by Mr. Curtis Whiteley. It's entitled, Our Admonition. Well, good afternoon. Wonderful to be back here in Tulsa and see everyone again. Uh, If we didn't see each other in Branson, uh, which is where I happen to have went, and some of you did not, but... It's good, nevertheless, to be here back in Tulsa. Just kind of echo the sentiment that David talked about, you know, the, how wonderful the feast is, and I'm sure everyone had a really good feast, and and we'll hear a little bit more about that next week when we do feast reports, but uh, there's, there's no place like home. And also echoing on what David had to say is that, you know, when the feast ends, you have to leave, you have to go home, you have to say bye to people, but you get to come back to church every week, you get to come back and be with your brethren every week and as was mentioned the title of this message today is our admonition and i was thinking during the feast of tabernacles uh, during that time and i was just thinking about my age 34 i'm not trying to say i'm old but you can probably relate to this that's Weird for me to say, 34 years old already? That quick? And I know many of you are thinking to yourself, just wait. It just gets, you know, faster and faster and faster. Uh, But I was just thinking, when I was down there in Branson, I was thinking about this feast, and not just the feast, but just our church history. Not just in Tulsa, but just as a kind of a heritage, the Church of God, and just kind of thinking back about, you know, how many years... You know, feasts have been going on. Of course, we know it goes all the way back to, you know, the, the beginning. But in our modern history, I guess you would say, in American history, and kind of through the 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 the, the line in which this church came from. Uh, and I was just thinking about the people that have went before us. You know, the individuals that, you know, we grew up hearing about or seeing. The different congregations or different feast sites that we grew up going to. And I was just thinking about that. And I was just kind of thinking about the past. You know, the history history a little bit. And kind of echoing again on what David was talking about. The blessing that we have. And understanding that history. And it's kind of a multifaceted blessing. Because in one way it's a blessing because these people individuals that have gone before us that aren't around anymore these experiences that we've had in the past and and in our history and I'm only 34 as I just mentioned so I didn't get to experience some of the history that you some in here have experienced I never went to a feast I think that was more than a thousand people that was just a few times Uh, but you know hearing stories of my mom and my dad and my My aunt and uncle, like Jeanette McMurray and Tommy McMurray, and my grandmother, Pauline Whiteley, and of course many of you were right there with them going to a Feast of Tabernacles with 10, 12, 15,000 people there. You know, I never experienced that. But it's interesting, you get around people that did experience it and it's very vivid to them. And they can kind of tell you what it was like. And they, they can tell you about how excited people were to come together and to study the Word of God and how the messages would sometimes be upwards of an hour and a half to two hours and people would be paying attention the entire time. Because the passion was there. And people were locked in and they were focused. And of course, not to say that things aren't quite like that anymore. In some ways, obviously, they're not. We have different feast sites all over the place. Things are a little bit different. It's a little bit different of an era for the tradition of the church of God and this line in which we came from. But I was thinking about this, and I came to a scripture. I came to a couple. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter today. But I came to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And I just want to read that. Hebrews 12 comes right after the faith chapter, right? You know, the chapter that talks about all the different great individuals of faith and their examples and and, and all of that good stuff, the stories of Abraham and David and the stories of Samson and Deborah and all these different individuals, men and women. And in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12, if you've turned there, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay every aside every weight. And the sin in which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand. Of the throne of God. And so I was thinking about this passage. And we know what it means immediately in the context. We're talking about people. Of the biblical faith. Individuals that we've heard about. Abraham, David, Moses. Those big heavyweights. Those people that we've gotten to read about their story. And the amazing faith that they had. And even sometimes they're false. But I was also thinking. And of course this is not what this text is implying per se. But I think it's okay to go there. I was also thinking about. The cloud of witness that we have of just individuals that we have known in our lives that aren't with us anymore. And they're not with us anymore because they're sleeping in Jesus Christ. You know, individuals in particular in this congregation and individuals in different congregations that maybe we just saw the feast or maybe we just knew of them because they were part of, you know, the different churches that we've been associated with. And I was just thinking about how important individuals in our lives can be to us in our faith. You know, we don't look at them as our example in the sense of like we look at Jesus. Or we look at these biblical characters. But it's a blessing that we've had examples that have went before us. And we're going to look at that today in something that Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 10 chapter. And I'm going to get to a little bit more of that here in a little while. But I just want us to think about that. Some of you that have been here for many years or have been in different churches for many years. And I want us to think about those individuals that have went before us and the impact that they had on our lives. On the seventh day of the feast, I got to speak in Branson and we got to have a youth day. And I'm telling you what, I've never seen so many children blessed. And I don't mean that they were blessed because they got to hear me speak. That's not what I meant. I meant, literally, we, we did the traditional blessing of the children, as we do usually at the Feast of Tabernacles. And in the Branson uh, Feast site, we always do it on our youth day. And there were so many of them. There's so many young people. And I was thinking, you know, I had a little bit different of a message that I gave, but I was thinking about my own times in the church. You know, you, th- there's that question that we have. I mean, let's just face it, let's just be real. We are not a mainstream Christian denomination. This is a denomination or a a faith that kind of goes against what is typically considered the traditional ways that Christianity is viewed. We don't do a lot of the same things that other churches do. And so the question is always asked, how do we keep our young people in the church? Well, I only have one perspective because I'm an individual. But I can tell you this. One of the number one things that kept me in church as a young person. Even when I didn't listen to a lick of what the sermon had to to be about. And I'm just, I'm being serious. It is funny. Was because there were individuals in this congregation that are still with us. Some of them are not. That just took a personal interest in me. Asked me how I I was doing. Asked me about the personal things going on in my life. About the things I was involved with wasn't anything monumental. It was just people taking an interest in me as an individual. And by doing that, to our young people, if they're anything like me, and some of them aren't, I'm not going to pretend that they are, they will start to feel like they matter, like they're a part of this church, not just because their parents are here, but because people really care about them. And they'll start to look at the individuals in here as family. Because that's what I did. So I don't want to get too much into that. We might come back to that in a little while. But I just wanted to throw that out there. But I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at the entire chapter. We're not going to get super involved in it. I'm going to probably do the mistake of what David was talking about, I'm, I'm really using David, obviously, in this message a lot, but a lot of the things that he had to say, I really was thinking about. I mean, we just came back from a feast, the feast, you know, it's, it's a tough message. Uh, what do you do after, you know, people have heard eight messages, you know, for eight different days, you know, what do you talk about? And what I mean by that is, is that in my mind, I thought the same thing. I was going to try to do a little shorter message for us today, and I might be like David, I might get myself in trouble by saying that. But 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, It says this, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written down for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come verse 12 therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall no temptation has overtaken you except such is as is common to man but god is faithful Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape. That you may be able to bear it. Therefore my beloved flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ. For We. Though many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel, after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And so I usually don't do that. I read the entire chapter for the most part. But I just wanted us to take in what Paul had to say. Because he's talking to a church that has troubles. He's talking to a church where there is a lot of issues going on. There's many of these issues that we're going to get into today. But I have three in particular points that I want to bring out in what Paul has to say. The number one thing is, don't take blessings for granted. Don't take blessings for granted. You know, we heard a song a little while ago, count your blessings, name them one by one. It's real easy in this life, I think, to forget about what God has done for us. It's real easy in this life to just think that, oh, I just have a, you know, things are going awful for me. And then forget about all of the good that's going on in our lives. Right here, Paul brings out five different things, five different similarities or blessings that the children of Israel had. And that we as the church, as Christians, also have. So he starts out and he starts bridging this gap between Israel and the Christians. The number one thing. The Israelites had the cloud that led them in the wilderness symbolized by God's supernatural guidance. We all have heard the story of the Israelites. that brought out of Egypt. And God doesn't just leave them. But he provides a guidance for them. A physical guidance that they would follow after. A cloud by day. And a pillar by night. And we... As Christians, we have that same witness in our lives. We have that same guidance. We might not have a literal cloud. We might not have a literal pillar of fire. But we have God's spirit. We have a spirit that drives us, that guides us, that leads us. The second thing that the Israelites experience is that they experience supernatural deliverance. Paul brings that out. He delivers the children of Israel. We know this story. A lot of this sometimes kind of, you know, we read these things over and over and over again. But this is what Paul's talking about. The children of Israel, our examples, they were delivered supernaturally in many different ways by God. And we, in the same way, we were delivered because we were in bondage just like they were. We weren't necessarily in physical bondage, but we were in spiritual bondage. We were ensnared to sin. The condemnation of God was upon us when we were separated from the blood of Christ. Let's just think about how amazing and miraculous that is. The supernatural things that God has done in our life. You know, it's really easy to think, well that's really not a miracle. That's just, you know, we started reading or you know, people can say that's not truly a miracle. You know, that's not like the same thing as God basically parting a Red Sea and and leading people out. Or basically bringing to their knees a world kingdom like the Egyptians were. That's not a miracle. But it really is. If you think about some of us, all of us are individuals. We all have different stories. It was a miracle when God called us. The things that he brought us out of. I guarantee you, there's many of us that have many stories where we can think back, and maybe the positions we were we were we were in before we heard of God's call, before we got God's call, before God started working with us. Let's just think of Paul himself. I mean, let's think about that. His position—he's this Pharisee of Pharisees. He's a very prominent, very devout. It was a miracle. When Jesus Christ intervened in his life and turned him around to be a follower of Christ. The third thing. They had a physical leader who supernaturally asso- they associated with or led them. They had Moses. They had Moses that was the one in which God chose to bring them out of Egypt. The Bible reveals to us that Jesus is the fulfillment Of what we find in Deuteronomy the 18th chapter. Regarding the prophecy of God about bringing up a prophet like Moses. They had Moses leading them out of the wilderness. And towards this promised land. And we have Jesus Christ. Who is here on this earth. That led us out of our sins and leads us now. And he's leading us towards the kingdom of God. These are all blessings. The fourth one. They were provided supernatural food. Manna. And supernatural drink. Water from the rock. God blessed them. God took care of them. The same thing could be said for us. Jesus told us that He was the bread of life. That the bread of life would be provided for us. That He provided the living waters. There's this interesting little part that's brought to us. Baptism in the Old Testament. Isn't that strange? We read the words basically. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It's interesting, right? You know, we understand what baptism is. Baptism is an outward expression. It's basically a testimony, a testimony of your identification with the object in which you are associating yourself with. And in our case, obviously, it's Jesus Christ. We are going down in that watery grave and coming up, and newness of life. That condemnation leaves us. We repent of our sins. We come up out of those waters. Which symbolizes the work in which God has done in our life. In redeeming us. And from that point forward we are buried in Christ. We are buried in Christ. Israel was baptized by following God and submitting to his authority. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. But we understand many of them struggled with that. They struggled with that aligning themselves with God. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. The number five, the the fifth thing that they have in common, they had a spiritual rock. And that rock was Christ. That's what Paul says. Paul right here is identifying Christ as being even with the children of Israel. Going back to that idea, we understand that Jesus Christ pre-exists his birth on this earth. Paul tells us that despite these blessings, as we know the story, the Israelites did not please God. We know what they did. We know how they basically drifted. Even though God did all of these wonderful, miraculous things in front of them, they drifted and fell into disobedience, which had grave consequences. Let's just think of some of the consequences. Number one, no one under 20, the military age, was permitted to enter into the promised land except Caleb and Joshua. They forfeited it. They forfeited the blessing because of their disobedience. Number two, even Moses himself was disqualified. Even though it was for another sin. Unlike the Israelites. And number three, the reference, as we see here, to their bodies being spread out in the wilderness meant that they did die and that their bodies never made it into the promised land, alive or dead, except for Caleb and Joshua. So the moral of the story is just imagine how much we have in common with the Israelites. You see right here in Corinthians, this Corinthian church, they have many things that they have in common. They're struggling with things. They know about the word of Christ. They've accepted Christ. Christ or has been established there through Christ but by Paul's preaching. And I want us just to think about our own story, our own history, our own examples. Examples of our own history. You know... Just a few minutes ago in the introduction, I talked about us thinking about the people who have went before us. And let's even think about some of the churches that have went before us. Some of the congregations or different church bodies that maybe many of us have been a part of in the past. You know, it goes both ways, right? The example thing. The example thing can be a good thing. Look at these people's examples. We as young people, we look up to our elderly, both male and females in our lives church leaders, church beacons, people that, you know, carried this faith through Christ, passed it down, because that's what we're commanded to do to pass it down to our children. And those examples can go both ways, both good and bad. And we all have to admit that there's some examples that have taken place before us that we can learn from in the negative. Not just doctrinally, But also, behavior-wise, some things that churches got themselves involved in, activities that churches got themselves involved in, focuses that churches got themselves involved in. So let's just think about that as we go on in this message. My second thing I want to bring out today is learn from others, which kind of segues into us thinking about the examples that we have, both good and bad. Learn from others and don't make pleasure your God. Verse 6 through 13. In the next few verses, after Paul talks about these similarities, about Paul talks about how there are examples, Paul identifies the sins that resulted in the first generation of Israel's disqualifications for the promised land. What disqualified them? And Paul says, our examples. There's this interesting Greek word, That's translated as as examples in the English, but the Greek word is typos. We know what that word means. We've heard that, type, typology. The Greek typos is a word that gives the idea that examples that are types that would recur later in history teaching us lessons. It's a type. It's a foreshadowing. It's a, we can learn from this. And so as we read on, these areas of warning were motivated because the church in which Paul was writing to were going through some of the same problems. Maybe in different ways, but they were having issues. One of the issues that they were having was idolatry. They were engaging themselves in idolatry. Okay, Exodus the 32nd chapter, verse 6, we know about the golden calf story, going back to the old days of the ancient children of Israel. In Corinth, they were also involved themselves in idolatry, including eating things that were maybe sacrificed to idols, eating meat, stuff like that. Let's just think about areas in our own life, because let's just face it, most of us probably don't have a problem with idolatry in terms of going to a physical idol and bowing down to it. But anything can be an idol. Anything that we start to give our devotion to And put our focus on. Over and above the focus that we have on God. Can be an idol. Entertainment. Hobbies. Sports. Money. Material things. Even church things. There can even be church idols. We understand that. We see that in history. In all different churches. Right? All of a sudden. People start getting in the mindset. Like the method. In which you do church. Is somehow. Maybe. Not what. What. They verbally say, but somehow it's like the tradition is the way to God. Or if you do it any other way, that's wrong. And you can't do it that way, and that's going to upset God because what we have done is we established something that's just really a tradition that maybe be good, but we've made it into almost a commandment of God. And when we do that, we start adding to what God requires of us. And we start putting our focus... On that tradition in very unhealthy ways. Secondly, sexual idolatry, literally fornication. Numbers 25 through 1, or 25 verse 1 in in Numbers says, Now Israel remained in Achaia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab, and they were participating in a Moabite, Moabite religious feast, which involved sexual immorality. Clearly, we know when we read Corinthians that some of these same things were taking place. Number one, we see, when we read this book, when we read this epistle, we see that there's a man that has taken his father's wife as his own, which was considered something very dishonorable to the person's father. But we also know, looking at Corinthian history, that many of the practices, because Corinth was a very heavily Gentile city and town, And there was a lot of different pagan festivals that were going on. And the Corinthians were sometimes involving themselves in these festivals that oftentimes also would involve, as many pagan festivals also involve, different types of fertility traditions, different types of fertility rites. Third, testing God. We know that the Israelites truly tested God. They tempted God's patience even though he faithfully provided for them. The manna story. Even Moses himself tempted God. The one that we look at is all of these examples and his frustration. Even Moses. The Corinthians were doing the same thing. Fourth, <clears throat> complaining. Man, that's one of the things that we learn about, about the Israelites. ...about how much they murmur... ...as sometimes the biblical language is... ...murmuring. They didn't do that first point that we were talking about... ...taking their blessings... ...and not taking them for granted... ...but being appreciative of the blessings... ...that God has given us. You know, we can do the same things... ...in our own life. If you think about it... ...the Corinthians, when we read this letter... ...because we've got to have a little context... ...as I've been trying to bring out... ...but not only were there things involving idolatry not only were there things involving maybe Christian brethren taking other Christian brethren to the courts, not only were they involved in things like, you know, immorality, you know, fornication and things like that, but they were also involved in going around and trying to claim that they followed this person or they followed that person or they followed this person. And we've read those stories, you know, I'm of Apollos or I'm of Cephas or I'm of Paul. And they couldn't get straight who they were following. Because some way and some, somehow they were, they were almost like it was a badge. Like, you know, I, I follow this person. This person's more spiritual. This person's, you know, more on track. And, you know, I'm, I don't really follow the person who baptized you. And so they were testing God. They were testing God and they were also complaining because of these things. And these are warnings to us. These are our examples. So we don't follow after the same things. Let's go to my third point. Don't take part in false worship and practices, but rather flee from them. Don't take part in false worship and practices, but rather flee from them. I keep getting that mixed up. Let's reread 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14 through 22. Verse 14 says, Therefore, my beloved, Flee from idolatry, I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For though for we, though many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread, observe Israel after the flesh. Think about that word. Look at Israel. Look at them as an the example. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather that the things with which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Let's just think about what's going on there. It seems apparent in reading this that some Corinthians were thinking to themselves, you know what, I know that these people, they do this because of they believe in some sort of spiritual thing. But, you know, I know the truth. That's really nothing. But I still want to associate with it. And so because I have the knowledge that it's really nothing, That these idols really are nothing. There's no supernatural. There's no real God behind it. It's okay for me to participate in these activities. Let's just think about that in our own life. As Christians in 2018. In the 21st century. Because I think that what that's talking about is. Is it's talking about how we sometimes can be tempted. To associate with things. That are not of God. But are opposed to God. And somehow we think or we try to convince ourselves that it won't affect us. You know what? I know those aren't things that, you know, that's not the way things should be. I know the truth. You know, I'm not believing in this and whatever it is, but it's okay if I partake in it. I mean, this can be in many different ways. A movie. It can be in different people that you associate with. Okay, I'm not one of those people that says, don't associate with people, but you know what? Sometimes you don't associate with certain people because what they're about, what they're involved in. Let's not be so arrogant. Let's not be so confident. i not saying that any of us are. Don't get me wrong on that. But sometimes as individuals, maybe none of us would know, but we just personally ask ourselves, you know, maybe I am a little overconfident. I think that those things won't affect me. Because I see something and it enters into my mind. But it's not going to affect the way I think. It's not going to affect the way that I behave. Let's not be overconfident. Let's not underestimate the power there is in this world of a dark force, Satan the devil. So I was going through those points, and I was thinking, what are some applications? Well, that was one of them right there. And looking at what Paul has to say, Paul's basically getting on to the Corinthians because they were actively participating in things and thinking that it's okay because they know the truth. That somehow it's not going to affect themselves. Or it's not going to affect them. And Paul says that, you know, you can't partake of the cup of demons and the cup of Christ. And that's true. I think that's true for all of us. Don't underestimate the power and influences of Satan. Remember that sometimes what or who we associate with can lead to idolatry and immorality. Don't put ourselves at risk. Movies, TV, people, friends, social events, things like that. Remember that. Remember the union we have made with God excluded all other unions. That doesn't mean that we can't have hobbies. That doesn't mean that we can't have friends that maybe aren't our faith. Okay, but that means remember and be careful what we align ourselves with. Even if we're making a conscious effort, oh, you know, I really don't, you know, I hang out with these people and I hang out with these friends and they participate in these activities and I'm there, but I'm not going to participate in it. I'm just going to hang out with them while they do that. Paul right here is kind of warning us. If we take that and put that in a 21st century contemporary audience, he's warning of us He's warning us of that kind of attitude and how it can have an effect on us. Unions with hobbies, union with money, unions with material things. All of these things can get us off track. All of these things can somehow, sometimes if we're not careful, start getting too much of our devotion. I just want us in closing to remember that we just got done with the Feast of Tabernacles. Eight days and most feasts that I've ever been to. We know what the feast is all about. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about looking forward to that kingdom of God. But we're here in the present. And I want us to think about. Our examples. I want us to think about the admonition. That God has provided us. I want us to think about. All the things. That is before us. And how we're on this path. This path towards that kingdom of God. And there's As. The scriptures tells us there's all kinds of things that can ensnare us. There's all kinds of things that can entrap us. There's all kinds of things that can get us off track. Slowly but surely. You know, Satan's not dumb. He's not. It's not something that's overnight. But these small things that sometimes we can associate ourselves with, if we're not careful, can slowly get us to where all of a sudden you look back Time has gone by. I already talked about how I'm 34 and I can't believe I'm 34 because how fast time just gets. A little here, a little there. Four years goes by. Five years goes by. Ten years goes by. Fifteen years goes by. And whatever we're putting into our minds and whatever we're associating ourselves with, the more and more we do it, the more and more of an impact it's going to have on us. Remember that as we go forward. We have drank the cup of Christ. Paul uses that language of Passover. We have, as David mentioned, around six months. It's never too early to plan for the Feast of Tabernacles, but it's never too early to start setting our minds also on getting ready for the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover. So as we close here today, I just want us to think about those things and just focus on our admonition that God has provided for us.